Three, two, one. Anthony Darby, I'm joined with Alec Bassman from G Leaf. Thank you for having us on. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. This is Alec's second time coming on. I thought there was a couple more than that. It seems uh, we have a lot of conversations. You're kind of my go-to um, confidant when it comes to concentrates, when it comes to some of the new changes we're going to see in Maryland regarding the edibles, um, your experience in multiple states, and, and, and uh, over the last year of really building up the G Leaf brand in this region has been so helpful to me. So I just thank you for coming on again, as always. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, before we started filming, we were kind of talking about some of the dynamics of the industry now in 2021. Um, your first year in the industry was 2013, 14? 2015, early, early January 2015. Yeah. We wrote our application in 2015, technically got into the industry in 2017. Um, so, you know, in the last just about five years for me, you know, just over seven years for you, it's crazy to think about how much things have changed. And um, when it seemed like when we first got into it, almost everyone was craft. There was uh, was not a lot of MSOs or multi-state operators at the time. Um, and if you think about the legislative trajectory of states approving licenses, when Maryland got approved and we got into it, there was very few East Coast peers that we could look to. Delaware was before us, but we all know how wonky their program is. New York's program, it's probably on a similar timeline, but much, much different in terms of regulations. Um, I think we may have pulled a little tiny bit of data from Maine at the time, but I remember we wrote our application and we were building our business model. We used Arizona for our data points. Um, they had a patient participation rate of 1.2%, I remember. And uh, Colorado was, uh, I believe, like more like 1.8, 1.9, or even closer to two. We thought that was gonna be a little high for an East Coast state. Um, but I remember having to, to look at, at, at states that were way bigger than us and way um, differently situated within the, the geography of the United States to be able to pull data sets because there just wasn't much happening on the East Coast. And now you look and there's a legal program in every state that touches Maryland. Yep. That's crazy. I just thought about that, but there really is. There's literally a legal pro West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey. Nope. And not only that, you also have other states that are going beyond medical and hitting recreational around Maryland. So it's growing very fast. Yeah. D.C., of course, um, included in that bunch as well, which is D.C. is always like the wonkiest of them all, which nope. is not, mis you know, it's, it's D.C. Yeah. So you guys, um, I, I wonder if, if the perception is that you guys are a much larger outfit than you are. I think. You guys by far put out some of the most premier concentrates in Maryland, um, and you do it in a fairly small facility, right? Very small. We're fifteen hundred square feet, and um, you know we only operate uh, Monday to Friday, eight to five, with uh, six people. So that's that's so impressive to me uh, for a variety of reasons. One is. Um, it's not just six people, but a, a couple of them have been with you since the very beginning. Yep. And um, you know, I'm proud to say that we have a few employees that have stuck with us since the very first day. And to know the trajectory and the roller coaster ride that is this industry, and and how the highs can be super high and lows can be super low. It's cool that you've been able to maintain a core team uh, throughout that. It says a lot about your leadership. It says a lot about. 
um, your team as well and their loyalty to getting medicine to patients. And I've had a chance to meet the guys that are doing the, the day-to-day um, extractions and processing and, and the care they take in the product. And um, it's, it's just, it's uh, so I've had a chance to see almost every facility. I think there's probably... Cumberland's far away, man, so I've not been out to see some of the, the, the facilities out there, but I don't know that I've seen a processing facility that's smaller than your facility. And, you know, from a quality standpoint, you guys make the diamonds and sauce. You guys are making some really high-grade consumer products that, that get me super excited. You know, I, I posted... Um, we had the cross tournament last weekend and uh, magically got some star dog diamonds and sauce just right before the tournament. And, um, and to be able to get like a, a tool like that for me, I look at cannabis as a tool, it's just like everything else that's got its time and its place, but a tool like that, um, with a terpene profile that, that matches my brain chemistry and allows me to be as, as productive and as on point as possible. It's just so exciting and it's, it's unmatched. I haven't found any products in the market that are, that really touched me in the same way so kudos to you guys what um what are some of the things that you're most proud of over the last few years when you think about from the time you got in there and actually had to work with a fire i mean you moved from from i know i'm talking a lot but for those that don't uh, remember the story alec picked up and moved to maryland on a whim and did not know the the legislative layout did not know local politicians or fire marshals or police or anyone and really just through boots on the ground strategy just hustled your way through your licensing process and building out a lab yeah i mean i would say the thing that i'm most proud of is you know that we're still operating in the same facility and um the cultivation has doubled their uh, output up there and we've hired like an extra one person or two people and um, we're still in the same space. Uh, we have the same core leadership team down here that uh, has been with us now for about three years now. So it's definitely makes me proud to uh, see the people that I took time to bring up to to my level as the best the best that I could that uh, that they're still there and still coming into work every day uh, thoroughly enjoying the work that we do and uh, you know we look out for each other we help each other and we uh, bring each other up on each other's bad days and when we're having good days it's it's just uh, it's a fun place to, to be at in the work was there ever any like oh shit moments like maybe this place is too small um, that happens, I would say, about half the day, every single day. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, we get through it. Uh, it's a lot of playing Tetris in, in the place where we have to move these five bins to put these other, um, you know, products over here. And then we move the bins back. It's just constant Tetris. Some, some, some extra hurdles in dealing with such a small space. I can also imagine employee dynamics. I mean, it's, it's a tight space. If even the, the greatest personalities, even the most positive people have days. And, uh, and sometimes that tight space, you know, if you have the right team, it, it almost doesn't allow for you to, to, to spill it out because it's so small. And sometimes it can be, it can get hot in the kitchen, so to say. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, 
we've all kind of been working other than you know a couple of new uh, members but we we've all been working with each other for about three years so we know when that one person is having a day we kind of know how to handle that you know either by letting him just do his thing for the day or giving him some extra support giving her some extra support or you know, we, we just kind of like know, know each other's personalities and know how to kind of handle it at this point. You are, um, you're demonstrating that you have a really strong leadership qualities as you're explaining how you're handling your team. And that's, that's important to me. It's something that I value very much. I would argue that there's um, a lack of empathy sometimes and a lack of leadership, strong leaders within the cannabis space. Um, I think a lot of times because it's so hard. And it it can be um, it can just it can be fight or flight ninety five percent of your time and there's leaders that are that can handle that and there's leaders that can't and it's it's interesting to hear you talk about the way that you guys handle that and it's it's so great for me to hear that because it validates some of the things that we're doing here. My question is, is this the first time that you were in a leadership position? Like um, when you were before, I understand that you have you were the, you know the expert and you were doing the extraction. But a lot of times in my in my expertise, the same folks that may be incredibly methodical and excellent through extraction process may not necessarily have the soft skills or leadership skills to want to manage and lead people. So I was at a management position uh, out in Colorado. That was the last position I had before moving out here. But uh, that was very you know mom and pop and. I think that was a, a very good learning experience for me, and um, I just kind of moved that over to... You had a pretty good leader when you went out to Colorado, right? Yeah, I've had a couple of good leaders and a couple of good mentors up there that really kind of took me under their wing. It's so important. Um, I try to, when I can, and see younger folks in the industry that I think can help and benefit from my experience and some of the pain and struggles that I had. I definitely try to make sure that I can help uh, apply those lessons learned and because it I would I personally feel that overall the cannabis industry is, is fairly collaborative um, I think you will hear people say differently they'll, 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 but um, I pick and choose the relationships that um, I formed I'm, I'm not I don't have super strong relationships with every single cultivar out there. I don't have super strong relationships with every processor out there. We don't buy from everyone. Um, it's more important for me to have strong, um, deep-seated deep relationships with the partners that are going to provide the products that I'm going to give to our patients. I have to be able to believe in those, those products. I have to be able to have a confidence that, that that's going to be a good vendor for our patients. And... Um, it's just been it's been cool. G Leaf was one of the very first ones that we got product from. You guys were early to market. We were early to market, um, and it's just it's been a it's been a really great relationship for the last three years um, of of providing products. And I've always had a lot of pride for operators on the Eastern Shore. And you guys have always just done such a good job being being here. It's cool. We've done some joint events together and had opportunities to collaborate. And I look forward to doing more of that. And that's kind of a, a good transition. We are seeing, I mentioned two weeks ago, getting um, a Diamonds and Sauce product. And there's probably a lot of people that have no clue what I'm talking about that are listening to this. Um, so, and I'm, I, for, the, for context, I'll try to explain it and then please jump in and, and help me out. Um, but... Uh, these types of products, uh, what they're, the evolution that I'm seeing now in some of the products is, is 
understanding how important the terpene profiles are to these finished products and understanding that in some cases to get the finest products you still may want to extract and almost have that that isolated thc but then you're not just enjoying that product by itself like an isolate you're actually then adding it into um, the extracted terpenes which are are delivered in much higher percentages than you'd be able to find in flour meaning i've seen you put out products you know better than i do but definitely in the the high teens and probably above 20 percent terps i think our highest was like mid 20s and that was like on the the h the high terpene part of the uh, extract. So from a consumer experience if you're someone that's that understands what terpene profiles act with your own personal endocannabinoid system and you really start understanding how these products work with you to be able to find a product that's so concentrated in, the, in the terpenes like for me it's limonene and when i see a super high limonene leader and then it's got a little bit of linalool in it some myrcene um that's kind of the profile that i'm looking for star dog is right in line with that yep um I just I know that that's going to give me that relaxing feeling and you know flower if you, if you see a terpene profile of flower above if it's above one and a half percent you have quality flower you're not very seldom ever going to see it above three percent um, but you could pull G leaf products and see you know seven eight nine sometimes as high as ten percent of a single terpene and then you know with that high thc content like uh, diamonds and sauce product you're able to use just a little tiny bit of product so much less than you would use from flour you're able to medicate a lot less often um and it just seems like a, a much more of a of a, con- of a um, connoisseur's experience for me it's that's that's the experience that i'm looking for Oh, so you're you're really looking for you know the terpenes that you enjoy that work with your brain chemistry. Those are the monoterpenes that are um, you know typically off uh, off gassing during your uh, flower drying period. So it's hard to compare what you're liking, which is the diamond and sauce, with any type of flower because the second you start hanging and drying your 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 flower then you're naturally off gassing those terpenes and you're losing that terpene content so by freezing it like post harvest you're actually preserving those monoterpenes and then uh extracting it uh just as is right there um we're able to preserve uh that and and not lose it during the process so am i correct in saying that the terpene profiles peak before drying and curing and they're going to go down yep. as you say off gas yep. that's that means when they're hanging in those rooms yep. and they're trying to get the moisture level and trying to get the the, the flower cured mm-hmm. and and we've seen so many variations of cure process but one of the things that we know of is a, of a good curing process is it will take steps to preserve terpenes yep. because you can go through a curing process where you can re- you can really just destroy great yeah flour. you could just over dry it and terpenes you know monoterpenes are such a volatile uh, thing that it, it'll start off gassing even at room temperature so if you let it sit in your your dry rooms for 10 14 days uh, if, if you're not controlling your relative humidity and it gets hot and it gets humid, then those volatile compounds are going to off gas 
and lose during that process quicker than you know either fresh freezing or you know having a, a climate controlled area so before and once again like you know i'm i'm just a consumer at the end of the day like everybody else but before maryland i never saw fresh frozen products wasn't familiar with like the um the reason why that was so valuable um but to your point that's what I go for now. So pretty yep. much all the concentrates that I'm going, I don't do a lot of shatter. I don't do a lot of um, a, a distillate. Right. You know, I, pretty much everything that I do is, is that fresh frozen. And yeah. because of that high that, that fresh frozen, that really started becoming mainstream. I would say like right around when I moved out here to Maryland, which was... 2018 were you not doing it in Colorado when you guys were there. So from 2015 to 2017, it was all shatter, crumble, and wax. And the reason why we weren't fresh freezing was because they saw the yield that was coming out uh, from that extraction process, and they were comparing it to a dried and cured extraction. So a typical dried and cured, you know, you're yielding between 10 and 17 percent depending on your quality of starting material uh with fresh frozen with all that water weight you're looking at a, a two to four percent return so a lot of you know ceos who are kind of looking at numbers and not uh, necessarily quality or the reason why they're different are going to look at that yield difference and say no i want that 10 to 17 percent and we're wasting money and time yeah. on that two to four which is a sad perspective. We all agree. Um, yep. And I'm I'm really proud that and I'm not proud. But I guess I'm happy that you guys have been able to at, at G Leaf convince them in the value of those products to get their buy-in. Um, because out of all the processors, and some of it is is supply chain. You know, you guys are vertically integrated, so you guys have the ability to supply yourselves with product, but. Out of the processors, you may not know this offhand, I can only think of three or four that do fresh frozen. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, anybody who's trying to, you know, compete and put out the best products possible, they're they're doing that extraction. Like, if not, like, sprinkling it in, they're doing it as the dominant uh, product that they're putting through. So in Colorado, was it mostly shatter and vape pens? And like, was that like when vape pens first started getting there? Like, yeah. So um, I worked for a couple of um, a couple of processors, and it was mostly shatter, wax, and then we were making a lot of uh, edible oil for gummies. We were making uh, these chill pills that were really good. Um, and just other various edible the products. Chill pill. chill pill is um it's like this little spearmint, um almost like a, a mint and uh you just it, it's like these awakening mints, but you just it was like a lozenge or something. Almost like the Dixie tablets. Yeah. But it it would actually taste good. Nice. And uh they were uh five to ten milligrams each. And the oil that we were giving them was all strain specific. We weren't taking it down to distillate. It was full extract oil. Uh, so we were able to designate whether the edibles were sativa, indica, or hybrid. 
How do you feel about that? Do you feel that when you ingest terpenes that you can expect a similar feeling than when you inhale them? Or So, um, me personally, I kind of don't really get the difference, but I do hear a lot of other people that are like, no, I need, you know, indica or sativa uh strain specific edibles and they swear by it so I'm gonna, I'm gonna for me both. if, if, I don't, if I don't it could help one it. person then i think it's I, a, a I, good thing to do yeah and i've read some research um you know companies like wana basically say that they don't sorry they contradict them they all contradict themselves because a lot of them will say that that they don't feel that uh it needs to be strain specific or that necessarily has the same impact is inhalation and i agree with that for me personally it's experience but i know that we have some of the gummies down the stairs that are indica um or they basically are infused with with indica based terpenes or sativa based terpenes and people seem to be choosy they seem to be um they seem to care so i'm i'm really interested i think we have a lot to learn about edibles and beverages yep um I just spent some time out in Arizona where they have more mature markets out there. Some of the feedback that I got, I found interesting. Um, it's almost separate markets. The folks that are after the same uh, experience that I just mentioned with high terpenes and inhalation and dabbing and concentrates, fresh frozen products are typically not buying the edibles. People that are buying the edibles are typically not buying flour. They're typically not smoking. Um, there's a lot of, of experiential use with alcohol consumers, with edibles, especially as it gets into the beverages. It becomes a, a method of administration they're used to. They're used to having a drink. They're used to um, consuming alcohol in this way. So now when you put cannabis in the same kind of delivery method, you see that, that kind of taking off. Um, and I, I'm just, and then the health side of things as well is you're starting to finally, which I've been, been um, had a high desire for myself, is you're starting to see more like recovery products, like post-workout bars, but they have some THC and some CBD in them. Yep. Um, not just the cookies and the brownies and, and all that. But I had, I, I got to explore a lot of the products out there and I was surprised at the taste far surpassing you know some of the gummies that we have here in state and it just it seems like they're getting a little bit more um like the beverage that i had out there you know i've had some other dixie beverages i've had some of the larger brand beverages in colorado this this beverage out there was way better i mean it was like a it was like a stewart's orange soda like if you yeah. with that brand it was, it was yeah like getting getting uh you know your thc or your cbd is definitely not a easy process to make soluble with with any type of beverage uh so the people who are doing it right um have put in the work to get there and is that nano it's all nanoparticle technology or is that i would say probably nano emulsified uh the problem with that though is once you start breaking your molecules down to such a small size um your uh flavor um i guess um enzymes in your in your mouth start uh taking those molecules and before where they were too big to actually absorb in there uh, once you break it down they're getting absorbed pretty much immediately and when that happens you start tasting the bitterness of you know your raw thc cannabinoids 
So uh, the people who are doing it right have uh, the right, uh, the bitter, the bitter, uh, you know, flavor enhancers, and they know how to uh, just put the right ingredients in to to mask that that bad flavor that you're naturally going to get with your nano emulsified products. There's also carbonation issues that I didn't realize. Um, you have to you have to double carbonate than you would a normal soda when you add in the THC and, and all of that. I'm not exactly sure how, but it, it just affects the, the carbonation process as well. Yep. Um, and these guys were craft too. It was, it was cool. It was not Pepsi bottle company. It was a, a two-spout bottle machine. Yep. And um, semi, semi-automatic, semi-manual machine where yeah. you, you have a person taking a bottle at each Five one. 600 bottles a day production, yeah. you know, it's it meets the their market, it. fills their dispensaries and, and they're, they're good. Yep. Um, it was really, it was a really good process. You, you would have, um, appreciated the, um, the practicality that was taken in place when they built this kitchen and, um, they were actually going through the GMP process and the GMP inspector said it was the smallest facility he had ever been in that was asking to be GMP certified because he used to nice. go into like huge, yeah. you know, Johnson Johnson's and places like yeah. that. And, and these guys were 2,000 square feet tops kitchen. They were just churning. Nice. Um, so it was cool. So um, you said Fresh Frozen was probably right around that, that 2000 and like 17-ish time period. And yep. then... What do you see in the future? Like, so that's that's popular here in Maryland. Is that still new in, in other states, or is it pretty much at this point like it's there's national recognition that this is national this is a trend? Yeah. Um, what do, are there any other trends that you're picking up on? Um, I see companies either going in the route of just old school. Let's make good quality flour and you know allocate a ton of fresh frozen and make really good products and really treat it uh, like a medicine. And then I also see companies go in the, into the direction of uh, formulation. Uh, let's take everything down to distillate. It doesn't matter the quality that goes into it. And let's make drinks and let's make edibles and let's take it down to just the molecule and get rid of all those terpenes that have zero value to making it edible. Yeah. So I feel like those two directions are what companies are kind of going towards. We know which one's easier and more profitable. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, I think that easier one is uh, definitely the route to, you know, corporate cannabis, in my opinion. I think. Is that uh, a concern for you that the cannabis will get very corporatized over the next 10 to 15 years? Um. I wouldn't say concerned. I think there's definitely benefits to it and there's definitely things that, you know, might not be as good about it. But I was getting paid in cash in 2015 and I had to show up to the bank with, you know, a whole bunch of 20s every two weeks. And uh, with corporate cannabis, I don't have to worry about that. My W-2 comes in on time. I get direct deposit and uh, 401k and all these great benefits that, that come with it. So I paid my employees in Mylar bags for the first nine, 12 months. Yeah. We were open every, every Friday I would go in the back with the money machine and yep. print them out and fill the bags and put a Sharpie marker and they got, um, sign here that you received the cash. And so we actually, we actually used a payroll company 
that would like do all the deductions. They got a pay stub. Yep, same. But yeah. I had to give them cash. Yep. Um, and like it's interesting because I think there's a stigma when I even in how I said it. Like, are you are you nervous about corporations coming into cannabis? And and there's there's almost a setup question because it could have been like, well, yeah, because they're going to do this, that, and the other. But to your point, there needs to for us to scale for us to to get the momentum and to get better access at a national level we're going to have to have companies that do it well continue to grow and be able to spread their model and as someone who started off as this little mom and pop and realized how much more i've had to corporatize my own business here you know the last two hires were the first time that we've ever hired someone that i didn't interview personally myself but it's busy and there's we hire so often now that like I can't be in a yes I, I, I can or can't but I'm not in every interview anymore and all these things that I'm surprised that, that we we need now HR software all these different tools because we have 30 plus employees yep. and if we don't corporatize at some point then you just become you know, you you don't you're not scalable, and you become less structured less and inefficient and yeah. sloppy. Yep. Um, so for me, it's a balance of like making sure. Okay, how do we make sure that when the decision comes, my decisions aren't fresh frozen versus all distillate products. But when we're making these decisions, how do we how do we always make sure that we have a, a patient first perspective? How do we make sure that we never forget our roots? We never forget what got us here in the first place. You know, we had a chance to build a new facility. You didn't see chandeliers. You didn't see, because that just means more expensive medicine for patients, right? Yep. Like, we've always tried to have a, a practical nature to how we approach this. We've always tried to be professional. I modeled my business off a lot of corporations. You know, I, I wrote, when I gave, um, and, and it's funny, Cody just broke out this presentation that I gave in 2015. Um, to the original hires where I, I said, you know, I looked at a couple of different corporations that I liked, Chick-fil-A's customer service model, Starbucks innovation model, how they get people to um, change their behaviors. No one called a coffee venti before they did it. Um, I was in a payments uh, industry and never used my phone to pay for anything, but Starbucks put a really crazy incentive program. If you join the rewards club, pay with your phone. Next thing I know, boom, there I am playing my phone. Just to be able to get people to change their behavior through, um, you know, not forcing them, I thought was was interesting. Uh, innovation of companies like Tesla. Um, we were open on Sundays for the longest time. Part of that was Chick Fil A. Which is I just I knew that my, everyone needed a day off, and then we got to a point where I, I said, okay, you're no longer this mom and pop business. If you want to be the largest dispensary in Eastern Shore, how do you say that we're the largest dispensary in Eastern Shore Monday through Saturday? But not Sunday. Hey, if you need medicine, you had an anxiety attack on Saturday night, so you smoked all your medicine, and now Sunday morning you are looking to get your day started, and you're going to wake up anxious with no medicine. Like, yeah. you got to be there for those patients. For sure. And my staff bought in, and it wasn't, hey, guys, we're opening up Sunday because I think I can make an extra 12% to the bottom line, or I think it's going to be this, that. It was If we're in a patient-serving business, we need to be in a patient-serving business seven days a week, week and we're going to have reduced hours, and we're going to do some things to make sure that we're, we're not killing ourselves but at the end of the day um, it's in our DNA to serve patients and being open seven days a week is more in line with doing that than being closed every Sunday yep. so it's it's interesting and, and you know it's also it's, it's, it's crazy that you've been able to 
um, weather the growth in a better position than we were. You know, six months into our dispensary, we were we were feeling it bad. Um, and it was about a year and a half. Where, and then COVID happened, and the dispensary was just so small. It just it just it was a struggle, boss. Um, and I'm so I'm so thankful now that we have more resources and we have we went from five employees to thirty. And, and but you've you've continued to increase output. You've continued to innovate. You've continued to do all those things in, in G Leaf with you know much less resource needed. And that, you know that's impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about, um, we touched a little bit about some of the consumable products. I think that'd be a good kind of place to get off, to leave off on today. And the fact that I know that Maryland consumers are very eager to start seeing the abundance of consumable products that they thought they were going to get, beverages, sweets, treats, healthy foods. Um, where do you see Maryland at? Um, how do you feel about Maryland's regulations and, and, you know, what do you think the path is for processors right now? Um, well, the new regulations, uh, the biggest changes that are being made are uh, allowing the edibles to, to go down. So I think there's a lot of people who are either in build-out phases or in, um, you know, the operation side where they're planning the build-out phases. So I think... Uh, having the edibles are going to be a big game changer to maryland and then um i think they're allowing another 10 to 12 processors uh in the state so i think the the competition is going to go up and i think that will increase the quality on what is actually getting put out onto the market do you think um we've already seen it a little bit i'm curious you know as these new processors come to market along with current processors looking at being innovative within a consumable markets wonder how many of them will say let's go get top talent and let's try to innovate and make new products here under our brand or how many of them will say this is the top selling cookie in colorado let's bring it to maryland this is the top selling gummy in in california let's bring it to maryland you know we saw we saw carrier bring wana you know, a well-respected brand. You've seen um, GTI bring Incredibles. Yep. So you, you see some of that, and basically they're licensing those brands. Um, those brands can't be made in any other state. They have to be made in Maryland, so they get like a kind of a manufacturer's license. They have to follow protocol, and then they'll make manufacture Incredibles at the GTI facility or at the Cure facility. Do you think that there'll be a lot more of that, or do you think that's just that that's more of a result of an early market and we'll see more companies innovating and building out their own products as opposed to just leveraging these brands. Um, I think that it's going to happen at the same ratio. You know, you even have Betty Zetties who's, you know, been operating in other states pretty big out here in Maryland, but it really just depends on the processor's vision and their confidence in doing R and D on either making something themselves and innovating or going out to uh, an Incredibles, a Coda, uh, somebody out, somebody out west who's who has a tried and true formula, and uh, to get that down. So um, I feel like it's going to be the ratio, and uh, you know you'll see people doing it themselves, and you're you're also going to continue to see other brands that have been out there. We've, and we've like that licensing model is 
is interesting because we've seen a lot of, I don't want to call them pretenders, but just startups or newer companies out there trying to sell their licensing model. And for me, I'm like, without a brand, without brand recognition, it's it's a t- it's a t- it's tough for me to. There was an ice cream brand that was going around trying to get um, processors to buy in, the freeze freeze dried ice cream concept. And I just I know how hard it is to build a brand. I know how hard it is to 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 build out a product suite and the, and all of that, and to somehow think that you can just package that up and move from state to state to state, unless you are like a wanna or you are. Um, you know, someone that has the infrastructure and all of that, it just, it seemed, it seemed to go to heavy lift. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the cannabis space is going to continue to look different and it, and it will be, I think the cookies brand for me is a, is a, an interesting case study, um, a non-biased perspective on it. it. It's people are buying legal cookie products in California going down across the Mexican border and selling them for three times what they would pay in a legal market for it's that crazy. brand. Yeah. You can go on DHgate and buy cookies bags. Um, and just brand. put whatever you want in there. Yeah. Um, but it, it, you don't see brand recognition like that so pronounced so quick. It's very rare. Um, and, and I would argue without anything amazing in terms of innovation of product or quality i don't i don't have a problem saying that some of the products that Calta puts out i think are better than some of the cookies products that they put out but they charge a lot more for those cookie products yeah um i just recently started trying a couple of the cookies products and i probably went the first i don't know maybe four or five months of them carrying my my dispensary without carrying a product because I was just I was skeptical of a company that puts so much emphasis on branding and not on product innovation and would seem to me focus on necessarily quality. Super high, you know, super high price point. Supposed to be a super high high quality brand. You got four percent terps in your concentrate. <laughs> like yeah. that doesn't get me super excited. Like no matter what graphic you put on there or not, and I just. I think a lot of people are focused on what the bag looks like and maybe not like the COA that has your cannabinoids and terpenes and what that product is actually doing for you as a person. Yeah. And I think um, I think it's just so important. Like I know that, that my perspective is skewed because I've always been a COA guy. I've always been dying to get into those details every time we get a batch in. Um, when I go downstairs and, and buy my products, I don't look at names. I look at brands that I like, and then I'm looking at terpene profiles. Yep. And I'm mixing and matching some, you know, some extreme daytime, some extreme nighttime, and then a bunch of hybrids in the middle to kind of to float me through. So it's it's um. I can't think of a another brand in cannabis right now that has the same momentum as Cookies. It's wild. No, it's a case that it's a marketing case study for sure. I I would say maybe you know the Jungle Boys and uh, for flower they West, they're California, and I think they're they now dispensaries, op- right? They're cultivation and dispensaries, and I think they're producing solventless rosin. And so that's how that's how they got on my radar. Yeah, was I've seen some of their videos and some of their um, stuff online. 
uh, we talked about the evolution and some of the, the things that are happening out west, like in the Jungle Boys dispensary. Never been there, but what I've been told is they have really high quality flour. So you, you get all into the flour purchase back like you would back in the day. Um, but then they have press guys that are on site. Yep. And you literally like go up to the guy and you say, okay, here's my pineapple skunk. And he presses it, and then you tip them out based upon their ability to get you the high yield, you know, to do a good job, make sure it's, it's not too hot, not too, they didn't burn it up. Yep. They also gave you a good solid yield. Um, and that, 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 that finished product is, is like sap. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's not really easy to deal with, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely depends on like the strain that you're putting into it, but Typically, your flower rosins are going to be uh, a little bit sappier, a little bit on uh, the greener, darker side. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Jungle Boys do a phenomenal job of cleaning up their either uh, dry sift or their hash rosin. They're, they do put out a really good product. And they're definitely sacrificing yield a little bit to put out a better product which is why people like Salisbury Maryland talking yeah, about literally by doing it the right way yeah. and you have never shopped there I've never shopped there but no. we both know that it's a good product yeah and I know that I asked MMCC if I was able to press flour in my yeah. dispensary which was a big hard no yep um, <laughs> but it would be cool I mean especially like I mean imagine heading down to the beach and grabbing some flour having it fresh pressed for you like for the weekend and stuff like yeah. that there's a, a lot of value to that um and maybe one day we'll start seeing, you know, some, some changes as these things get more popular. Um, are you seeing, we talked about the um, nano emulsion, mm -hmm. is that what I'm saying right? Yeah. Process. Um, are there any other things in the edible world or consumable products that you're seeing that are kind of um, much different than when we were just making butter and throwing them in brownies? I mean... You know, an edible is an edible. If you're dosing it right, then, you know, that's kind of what it is. Um, the nano emulsion thing, that's uh, starting to hit a little bit more mainstream. There's a lot of uh, SOPs on Future 4200 where it gives you a step-by-step -step process on how to take distillate and make it water-soluble. So uh, it's starting to become mainstream, I bet you, in another year it's going to be widespread everywhere i know we're currently working on that in uh virginia where uh we're currently producing edibles and stuff and uh, other products like that and uh it's you know a easy process to uh take your molecule down that small but it is hard to make that uh either edible or drink actually taste good um Anything that works with flying dog, Benji Leaf? It was uh, announced a couple of years ago that there was some rumblings. Haven't heard much. I know you might not be able to give details, but yeah. So we're we're currently building out um, our new uh, lab and kitchen up in Frederick, and uh, from what I heard, we're gonna we're gonna make a drink line and we're gonna try and put that out. That's phenomenal. Um, I know that. Two things come to mind. One is, I, I think of all like the local craft beers and craft breweries that we have in Maryland and, and how cool that's going to be. The guys, I know the guys at Burley Oak put out, I believe they put out a CBD infused beer. We, we talked to them 
our issue was is that none of the products that we make are water soluble and would just sit at the top of their can. Yeah. Um, so it's, it'll be neat to see as that technology gets better and as they get um, more refined in how they can preserve taste and quality while you're still using that. Because the nano um, particle technology by its nature also has a faster absorption rate than... Yep. Makes it more bioavailable. Yeah. So uh, when you go to ingest a product that's been nano emulsified, you're going to feel it hit your system a lot sooner than a normal, uh, you know, just distillate or whatever type of THC you're absorbing. And uh, your body's also going to process it a lot faster. So that typical, you know, I'm going to feel this in two hours and then it's going to last all night. You're going to feel it in 20, 30 minutes and your body's going to fully process that in a couple hours. Yeah. So it's making it closer to... Uh, ingesting like inhalation yeah. exactly yeah which is my my biggest challenge with consumables is i don't like the weight yeah and it gives me anxiety i'm like is this thing yeah eat like three more than yeah, yeah, yeah then you're then uncomfortable on the gone, bed i'm sleeping <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i found some uh, so like i found um I don't microdose a ton, but I found that with edibles, like I kind of do my sweet spots like 10 milligrams and I'm not really looking for that like effect from the edible, but I do notice that like I'll sleep a little better, just a little more relaxed, just a little, it's just like a, a little like value add. Yeah. It's, it's never going to, for me, it's never going to replace inhalation. That's, that's how I medicate. Um, I can't, I just can't imagine that me moving off of that anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. Um, as always, man, I always appreciate you coming in here. Um, the last thing I'll mention that I just a random fact that I thought I was uh, we were talking about this is, is also just the, the still the, the growth of hemp and CBD in consumer products. So I had the pleasure of going to a beautiful store called Alta yesterday with a lady friend. Nice. And <laughs> I'm like I'm like biting my lip and like stomping through. Because every single thing is CBD infused this and have infused that. They had CBD acne stickers. They had, I mean, just the amount of, and some of it's hemp seed oil and some of it's just like the one quality is less than the next. And it just, it, it was interesting that there was so much of an abundance of products. I mean, it, it was the most that I'd ever seen. Pretty no crazy. Less than, no less than a hundred product count of Alta's, you know, it's almost like three or four percent of all of Alta's products now have CBD in it. Wow, and it's crazy. It's becoming main mainstream. Everybody looks for it, and you know, thinks yeah. it's a better product or whatever. And I think that you know, I think there's a lot of value. We obviously sell a topical um, CBD product. And I just, I think as legal markets get open, I'm really curious to see how the topical and beauty products. Uh, explode out of this both with some validity and, and more a lot more fancy marketing and consumerism yep They're definitely interesting to see how you know the whole CBD thing is evolving do you CBD yourself um, when I get CBD it's typically for I got my wisdom teeth pulled so I came here I got a bunch of wana gummies Walked over to your CBD shop, and then I got a bunch of Wana CBD as well. Nice. But I'm, I don't consume CBD on the regular. Everyone's different. Everyone's, yeah. you know, balancing their own system. 
but I do feel like uh, doing it every once in a while is a good way to reset my endocannabinoid system and it kind of just like refreshes and you know almost restarts the the system so Excellent. yeah I do like it for sure cool cool thanks again man I always appreciate you having yep. me on thank you very much for having me appreciate it